is The Issue Window with Albie and Brittany. We are airing out the laundry to clean your soul. Just kidding. You're going to leave with more stains than when you entered. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to The Issue Window podcast. Today we have a much awaited episode with Bobby Monica and we are thrilled to have him. How you doing today, Bobby? I'm doing good. I don't know if uh, does that sound good at episode. <laughs> well, we all have episodes, that's for sure. You're about to have an episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, I've been waiting to have you on the podcast pretty well since we started it up. You have really one of the the most interesting equipment careers that I think is out there. I mean, you're almost, you might as well be an equipment celebrity, I think. <laughs> he is. Are you kidding me? In my own mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all that counts. <laughs> yeah. For those of you that don't know Bobby, he's had a long, successful career as an equipment manager in pro sports. You started your career at the Dolphins. Can you tell us how you ended up working there? And what was that like? I actually ended up there. Uh, there was I quit school for a while. I was working rock and roll shows in Philadelphia. I, I, I had to quit playing football. My knee, I hurt my knee. And I didn't want to be a phys ed teacher. Both my parents were. My dad was a football coach for 40 years in high school. And so I, I didn't want to be a phys ed teacher. And then a new, uh, after the rock and roll stuff, I said, I got to stop this. I'm going to be dead soon. <laughs> So I went, uh, I was looking at schools. There was a new degree called sports administration came out and there was four schools that had it at the time and three were in the snow and one was in Florida. <laughs> and my dad used to do the draft for the Packers for 16 years. So I met the trainer at the draft and he knew a guy that worked in the office. So I'm looking at the brochure and there's pictures on the, on the brochure. And I said, man, I'm going to go here. So I enrolled in the school, got in the car, drove down with my brother. And uh, I, I was like, oh, the dorms are on the beach. So I get there, and it's in Opelika, the murder capital of South Florida. <laughs> the picture on the front was the Fountain Blue Hotel on the beach. Oh. And uh, so it was Biscayne College. So I go there, and I enrolled in the sports administration. And they were one of the first to have it. And uh, the Dolphins practiced there. So I kept asking you know, for a job there, you know, and then the Mike Robbie, the GM, he, back then you could get older, the GM on the phone. Sure. <laughs> he kept, you know, he wanted me to sell hot dogs at the orange bowl and all this stuff. And, uh, <laughs> and one day he goes, well, I didn't speak to Dan Dow yet. And there was a little two story hotel across from the facility. It was an old maintenance facility on campus. So, uh, I was calling from that pay phone. So when he mentioned the name Dan Dow, I hung up the phone. I walked across the parking lot and I said, Hey, you Dan Dow? And he goes, yeah. I said, did Mr. Robbie call you about me? And, uh, and he said, no, no, I, no, I, I don't know. I haven't heard. I know. I just hung up with him. So, uh, <laughs> so I, uh, I said, well, I'm calling us, I'm going to school here. I want to see if you need any help. And he goes, yeah, I could use some help. Cause just then, you know, the, uh, how they hire the coaches, kids and kids that are back from college for training camp. Sure. sure. They had all gone back. They had all left. He had one guy. So he goes, yeah, I could use the help. When can you start? And I said, I'm not doing nothing now. And that was on a Thursday, played the Steelers on a Saturday in preseason. And I was there 13 years every day wow wow yeah yeah it does doesn't happen like that anymore that's for sure no no after the 84 super bowl they uh let him go and i got his job so i was the youngest wow. guy in the league actually in 85 hmm. wow i think it's safe to say the leagues have changed a lot since then 
What resources did you have 35 years ago? We had, there was no such thing as laundry loops or mesh bags. <laughs> there was, we had uh, on the, on the, the, the locker, the nameplate was with athletic tape. There was <laughs> two by fours and chicken wire lockers. Now this is the, you're oh. talking about the 1972 undefeated Dolphins practice here. Right. You know, two by fours and chicken wire. <laughs> on the athletic tape, it had like a, a one or a two, like one L, one S or two L, meaning the socks. So we'd go around with, uh, with grocery uh, carts, shopping carts, and we'd lay it over the chair. So each pair of shorts was numbered, each T-shirt, and then we'd look on the nameplate and see how many pairs of socks they got. There was no tight fit. There was no girdles. There was no thermals. There was no, there was no nothing, just a pair of shorts and a T-shirt. I had, uh, we had um, two washers, two 35-pound washers, and one dryer. Oh. Wow. But wow. they're all night, every night. Oh, sure. You had to be. And we used to have triple sessions back then, and training camp was 110 guys. Yeah, that definitely uh, shows you how limited the resources were back then. What, uh, what hurdles did you encounter trying to outfit the team? Well, there was a guy that worked for a little uh, sporting goods shop that they ordered everything through, and he used to come over every day, and he had a piece of paper in his pocket, and he would pretty much tell the guy that I worked for, what, you know, what they needed, you know, like gray shorts. Mm -hmm. they, then they started with the sanitary gray shorts. Yep, the old sanities, yep. Yeah, and, and, uh, and you know, the, the T-shirts, and the, and he just reorders stuff, you know, and, and he would kind of tell the guy what, what they needed. And, uh, <laughs> and it, would, it, it would come in, and, and there was, like, actually there was nothing. I mean, we didn't even have thermals. We went to Buffalo, and everything. I used to have to go out and buy – he sent me to uh, Birdine's, and I'd buy Big Mama pantyhose, and that's what they used to use for thermal bottom. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, wow. The changes are, you know, we didn't. There wasn't a, a, a Nike. There wasn't a any kind of contract with somebody that they would give you a, a bunch of stuff. You know. Yeah. It was limited, really limited. Yeah, I mean, in a way, it was easier because you could do what you wanted to do and what you needed to do. I mean, it, you'll see. You can see pictures in the early '80s of the Dolphins in Buffalo, freezing weather, with fluorescent orange uh, sleeves on. We got those because we didn't have, we didn't even have any thermals. So I got this friend of mine from a from New Jersey uh, had a store and sent me like hunting uh, thermals. Oh yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> at least at least it matched your Keller scheme for the most part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> somewhat. Somewhat. And they, you know, we used to clean the helmets with when I first started. Was that the helmets with an SOS pad? Oh wow! <laughs> no, wow. Yeah, they were white helmets, scratching the helmets, right? With an sure. SOS pad, taking the taking the sheen off them, taking everything. I mean, I, I even at the point, you know, I mean, even I knew that wasn't right, you know. <laughs> it is amazing how far we've come. Um, we think of uh, we have a better way of doing things, but 20, 30, 40 years from now, we might look at ourselves and say, wow, we used to do it like this. It's all relative, you know? It's all, it is all relative. Keeping along that train of thought, this freaked me out a little bit when I, when I was thinking about it, but it's been almost 20 years since Rydell came out with the um, Revolution helmet. And it was probably the most significant change to a helmet in years not to mention everything that has happened since. So with that being said, how do you think the CTE diagnosis will look in 20, 30 years from now when this current crop of players 
who have been in safe helmets have finished their careers. I think you know you know what's funny when that and and you I know you went through this also, but uh, the, when that helmet first came out, the funniest thing was the mirror test. Oh yeah, it still is. Try to put it in the guy, and he would go look at it in the mirror, and he wouldn't wear it because he looked like a zoo on a Flintstones. Still is the mirror. It's the mirror test. The mirror test is still valid today, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, players would would they, they didn't care about the protection, or it's, it was better protection. They cared about how it looked. Right. But I think I think there's two there's two things two factors in the what the what the study's going to look like in 20 years or so. I don't know if it's going to change that much because the guys are bigger, stronger, faster, and and still creating those kind of blows no matter what helmet because, you know, the, it's the brain and the head movement. Yep, absolutely. It doesn't really stop anything. There's still concussions. Right. And I think yep. with the, the money that's put into the pot for the litigation, I think that the claims are not going to stop. You know what I mean? I, I think the oh, claims absolutely. will get even even more just because oh. of the, uh, you know, like, like you got uh, – for the first round, you had kickers putting their name in there, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you got kick, you got hit a whole lot, yeah. And it is amazing how, how how it has changed over the years. And you can build a safest helmet as a matter, as you think. When it all comes down to it, you still got that little gray blob inside a little gel inside that skull moving around. Yeah, you know, not to get creepy, but I, I don't think it's going to stop till they come up with some kind of way to inject some kind of something into the skull so the brain don't hit the side of the skull. Yeah, I I don't think people would be too thrilled about that either. But well, I'm working on that as we speak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I put a we we both put some things in people's brains before, but usually it's none of us any good. So <laughs> yeah, I just I can't find any like test subjects. You know, I got this facing <laughs> needles. I'm using. listen. I got a bunch. I I I know where you can find a bunch of idiots. And I'm sure you do too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And when you know, it all comes down to it. It does come down, come down to the fit, no matter the helmet. I mean, I I go back to when I was at uh, Northern Illinois. I had a this is my first year there. I had a starting lineman, four year starter. Uh, he'd been in a VSR four entire career, and he finally, you know, and everybody else in the offense, offensive line was giving him giving him giving him shit about, you know, he's still in that old helmet. Why don't you go to Revolution? Things like that. So. You know, he says, you know what, I think I want to switch. I said, okay, we'll fit you up. You know, it fit fine. Great. Good. Um, third day of practice, first day in shoulder pads. He gets glanced across the face mask with a shoulder pad, and he gets a concussion. Yeah, you look at it on the video, and it looks like nothing. He got a concussion. It wasn't mild. I mean, sorry, it wasn't major. It wasn't anything major. It was just a mild concussion. But nonetheless, he had a concussion. First time he ever had one in his career. He said, that's it. I'm done with it. Went back to his VSR4, the so-called, you know, not a safe helmet. Didn't have a problem the rest of the year. <laughs> you, know, you know what I thought when it first came out? I, I, you know, the, the concept of that the helmet is made out of that plastic and in that shape to produce glancing blows. Mm-hmm. My, my thought was, well, now you're making the helmet an inch or so bigger, you know, and now it's going to catch blows that normally – would have been glancing right. blows or not happened, you know? So that, that, that always like concerned me. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't a scientist and everything, and I know the data proves, you know, uh, what it proved, but I, I was concerned about that, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause yeah, you go from, from being totally missed to all of a sudden getting a blow. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the helmets haven't gotten any smaller. They've, in some cases they've gotten bigger. So you, you got to wonder if that is a, um, 
it, I'm sure it works into it, but like like you said, neither I'm not a scientist either. But judging, you know, going from years of experience, you you know a thing or two. Yeah, you think you do. Yeah, well, yeah, until you're told otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> well, these so-called modern helmets have to be better than what they had back in the day, ain't that right, Bobby? Oh, shit. Let me tell you, when I was little, I used to help my dad put the equipment out. We put out leather helmets, I remember, putting out for the freshmen. <laughs> and then I, and when I played in Little League and stuff, I wore a suspension helmet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then in high school, I wore one of those old Kelly helmets. You remember the... Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those Kelly... Yeah, in the cold weather, those some of those old, some of those old helmets with the, the pads, they weren't too forgiving. Right. And... Of course, and of course, we went through that. There, there was that. There's the old. Um, there's the water-filled helmets, which, once again, cold weather is great. <laughs> yeah, oh, they, yeah. they had glycerin in there, so it didn't freeze up. But they were hard. With all the continuing improvements in helmets, it uh, it definitely makes our job a little bit easier and and safer for the kids. In recent years, you have transitioned out of the NFL, and we're currently working with the XFL. You were initially put in charge of hiring all the equipment managers for all the teams. Uh, what went into those hiring decisions? You know what, man? I, I started out where I was going to be hiring the guys for, for equipment. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I was basically uh, you know, seeing who was available first. And then when, when you had, you know, you had a, young, a lot of young guys applying for it that I, that I didn't know. So, of course, you, you rely on your your guys that you do know that they worked for you know and you would call up right. and then and you would get calls from uh nfl guys that they, they worked for uh, during training camp you know and they would recommend them and say this guy's the best this guy's this this guy's this. and what happened was um uh as i started to line guys up um one of the coaches started beefing that you know it's a very important position and they should be able to hire their own equipment guys oh boy yeah so so now i, I lost control of of who got, you know, who was being hired. And, uh, um, I'd say, you know, most, in, in most cases, uh, we were very fortunate because, um, the guys, the guys we got, um, you know, and I got some, I got some of my older guys. I got, uh, Joey Skiba from the Giants, mm-hmm. um, Bobby Wick from the, uh, Chargers. Right. And then, uh, uh, but the, uh, the young guys that they, that they brought in, like a couple were Reds guys from, uh, from Green Bay that worked with him. And these kids were phenomenal. I mean, I you know I didn't know them from Adam. You know what I'm saying? But right. watching mm-hmm. these kids work and and the things they did and 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 it was a unique situation. It wasn't a normal situation where like I give you an example. We had uh, we had this guy uh, Blake from uh, Oklahoma. He was with Stoops for 17 years. Now mm. Oklahoma is basically a professional football team. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They they get they used to they get this they get that from Nike they're used to you know everything mm-hmm. so the situation that they were put in with the XFL where the league ran everything to make sure every team was equally uh, outfitted so sure. they couldn't really order their own stuff all they had to do was manage what was given to them mm-hmm. okay but these these kids man the the things they did it was so impressive and and I'd put them up against anybody. Awesome. You know, we got uh, Brad Anderson uh, did our Tampa team. He was at University of Miami, and he did a couple. He was with a couple NFL teams, um, you know, for camp and stuff. Uh, great. Uh, ben Dolan, who we got from uh, Red Batty, uh, he did the mm-hmm. Houston team, and uh, just a superstar. 
You know, um, it, awesome. it was it was amazing. These guys, amazing. I'd hire them in a second. Yeah, that's good. I mean, yeah, because you, you know, obviously, and for a lot of them, it was their first time. I'm sure some of them it was their first time being you know in charge of a whole team, and so yeah, it's great that they responded that well. And then you know, it goes goes to the training they had under the various people that you knew that you know. It, it's you. You find good help, and they're trained right. They're when when it's their time to shine, they'll take care of it. You know. Yeah, my DC guy Cortez Robinson. You know, he was uh, he was a, a head guy in AAF, and Jeff Bauer. He was a head guy in AAF. You know, previous to that, they uh, you know Cortez ran IMG. He was at a bunch of different teams. You know, NFL teams. So mm-hmm. you know the 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 training. You're, you're exactly right. That it's so important that the guys that they were with when they were doing their internships. Or even the year-long internships, uh, seasonal, uh, is very, very important because they take that with them. And and again, they all they were all superstars, man, all of them. Sure, you learn something from everybody that you're around. I, mean, I I interned with I interned with the Redskins under Jay Bernetti, and I still you know yeah. I still I still to this to this day I still care over things from that. Yeah, Jay Bird. Yeah, it was funny because we we went and seen Jay last year in San Francisco, and then. In the spring, and then um, in the fall, in August, September, earlier part of the season, the Niners actually had a uh, two-week East Coast spring uh, spread. They had, I think they played, um, I think they played the Giants, and then they played the Saints. So they stayed in Youngstown for the week instead of flying all the way back back west. And uh, so it was interesting. Now you know. Now now I had you know. 20 odd years to, well she's almost 30 years later jay was in jay was i was hosting jay for a week and um it was it was like it was fun it was great to be around him again and he's he hasn't changed he hasn't changed and you know the good thing for them every time they've stayed in youngstown the 49ers stayed in youngstown they've always won the second the second game of that east coast swing so it's good pretty good luck for their on their behalf <laughs> yeah 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 that's good. Yeah, you got the Youngstown connection with the, with the Niners, anyway. Yeah, a little, just a little bit of a connection. Yeah, just a little bit of a connection. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they own Youngstown. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> yeah, so that, that, that that's uh, that 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 was pretty much my, my assistant thing. You know, I mean, the the fact that I was I was a little nervous because I didn't know some of the guys that they were bringing in, but they ended up being fantastic. Oh sure. Yeah, I would definitely think that those equipment managers would have to be extremely flexible simply because they're not ordering their own equipment and that's not something that you're used to as an equipment manager. I always kept that in mind. You know, I always tried to involve them in, in, in the ordering process and what you needed and, and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, and I tried to keep it equal. Um, you know, you know, some guys were, some guys were, were a little more, uh, needy than others you know like but, but I, you know and i had to temper them uh like from the start i said listen this, this you're gonna this is gonna be like nothing you've ever seen before okay the aaf <laughs> guys okay you've been through it i did the united football league so i had an idea i had some good guys there too and and you know i told them i said this is gonna be like nothing you've ever seen where you're gonna have to deal with crazy stuff and they they, they dealt with it and um uh, and uh, like I said, keeping everybody on the same thing was was difficult. And I and I had to tell them repeatedly, like a guy, hey man, we need to listen. I told you, get that out of your mind. You're not with the New York Giants anymore. Okay, this is right. what it is. I have to answer to budget wise and and all of that kind of stuff. 
So it was, it was hard on them. It was hard. But they were great. <laughs> well, listen, we'll, we'll jump back in time a little bit then. You know, obviously the legendary coach Don Shula just passed away. Um, and you worked for me in your time in Miami. Could you share something about him or how it was to working with him? Yeah. Is, is this uh, is this uh, FCC rated, this show? Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> you can say whatever you want, brother. <laughs> All right, so, well, for the first 10 years, I thought my first name was fucking. Well, that's, that's, I, I, I understand that. I understand that one. <laughs> but, but, uh, no, he, he was, he was, uh, he was, uh, how do I say it? He was, for, for me, for me being around, like I said, I used to go into the draft when I was 14 years old, do it with my dad. I'd sit at the table. Um, mm-hmm. my dad did, uh, a motivational films for the president's council on physical fitness. So, okay. uh, you know, I got to meet, uh, I went to the Dallas with him. I got to, you know, meet Bob Lilly in the front four and, and uh, the Redskins coach Allen, you know, and, yep. and I was yep. 14, 15 years old. Uh, I'd come in from playing at the playground and uh, NBA players would be sitting at my kitchen table. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> my mom made pasta vazul for coach Lombardi at uh, our kitchen table, you know? Oh, awesome. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was crazy. So, Coach Shula was, he was hard. He, he was, you know, he, he, he wanted, this is how I want it. It's his way or the highway. Just get it right. done. So we kind of, and you know how to do this. Equipment guys do this historically. You figure out how to play them, and you got the things done. And some stuff, he didn't need to know how it got done. Or exactly. the end result was this is how he wanted it, right? Yep. yep. And you knew how to, you know, you knew when to stay away from him. You knew how to ask him stuff. You started to learn that. And so, so we got that way. But I, the, the best thing about it is, and this is the only thing you can ask for, is as much as he would, would bust you, and, and the reason I was saying all that, you know, that I met this guy and that guy at a young age was, for me, it was cool to get yelled at by Coach Shula. You know what I mean? Because he was like, sure. you know, he, he was the, in the business. He was the best in the business. So it was kind of cool. But I'll tell you this, and this is the best thing you can ask for. Nobody else could mess with you. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yes. If, if you know he, he would he would give you shit or he would he would you know yell at you or, or this and that. But if anybody outside of that organization or other than him did it, he would jump their ass, which is all you right. could ask for. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, very loyal. He was he was loyal. And that that was that was the best thing going, man. Sure, absolutely. I mean, you you appreciate that. I mean, you know, I that, there's been coaches over my career. Yeah, I yeah, I've been motherfucked, and but you know what? I'd do anything for him. He wouldn't come out and like apologize to you or something. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. You know, he had his way of doing it, and you knew. And you knew what he was. What he was doing. You know what I'm saying? So it was. It was really. It was yes. cool. It was yeah. cool. I really loved it. Yeah, it's. It, you know as well as I know. I mean, you know, there's a lot of coordinators that are good coordinators, but are terrible head coaches. And then there's people that are just good head coaches. And and there's a difference. And there's a difference in those good. Those great head coaches. You know it when you're around it. Yeah, it's it's about the way they they conduct themselves, the way they they have control over everything. Even if you don't think they're in control of something, they're in control. Of, they're in control, of it. and it's very it's quiet. <laughs> they do it quietly. I mean, some you know they do it behind the scenes sometimes, but you know, and but they also really recognize when when they got something good as a good trainer, a good equipment guy. You know, good. They also take care of them too. Yeah. It was a good time period too, you know, because when uh, you know I was there a couple of years as the assistant, and then Marino came in, and then it was all hell broke loose. You know? <laughs> yeah, you. Were, I heard you and Dan had a very strong relationship. 
Yes. Yep. Yeah, Good man. He hasn't hasn't for me. He hasn't changed since the day he walked in the door. That's awesome. That's awesome. And of course, growing up here around the Youngstown area, Pitt being only about an hour away, and when Dan was there, he was obviously very a very good team. And I I remember lots of Saturdays watching them, and and obviously in the in the coaches, I could pick up the coaches show from my house, you know, from Pittsburgh Station. So you know, it was good to see that Dan had a lot of a lot of success in his career after that. And um, but you know, he always he always carried, seemed to carry out himself in a first class way, and it was you know. You didn't hear a whole lot. You didn't hear anything negative about him, and that's what was positive about that for him. And for well, they had just, some good players back then too, huh? Yeah, Jimbo yeah. Colbert. Yeah, they they had a few good players. One or, one or two good players back in the back in Bruno's area. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I I remember first time watching. You know, when I was growing up, I think uh, you know the first pl- player I remember watching at Pitt was uh, was Tony Dorsett, and then it just oh you wow know, yeah. And then you know, it, obviously he did okay too, and they they were fairly good, and uh, they were a fairly good team back in the day. But you know, being being only an hour away from where I grew up, it was obviously a pleasure to watch them. And you know, being being in Ohio, you're sort of torn and saying, oh, Pitt and Ohio State, you know, it's yeah, you know, you're young, you you just follow what's what's good. And you know, I was watching Pitt and watching Ohio State, and yeah, it was totally so sad. Boy, you're you're an old bastard too. Huh? Oh, getting getting older every day too, man. Getting older every day. <laughs> oh. uh, what's some of the highlight players that you've seen play throughout your career, Bobby? Uh, on my team? Yeah, that you've got to see in person, yeah, and work with. Man, you got an hour? I mean, there's, uh, <laughs> of course, uh, you know, there's some guys that didn't, guys that didn't get uh, the recognition of, of say a marina or something but i mean i was with uh mark duper and mark clayton i mean they, mm-hmm. they should be in the hall of fame uh mm-hmm. dwight stevenson the center he's in the hall of fame dwight stevenson in the 85 game when we beat the bears right uh-huh. on that monday night they were undefeated uh so when uh let me see 85 no this is before that i think I, I used to go i used to bring the uh even though i was an equipment guy i used to go bring the water in for timeouts only yeah. because I wanted to go stand in the middle of the field, you know, with all with 80,000 people in there screaming. You know what I mean? I just wanted to go into the huddle, you know? Right. So uh, Dwight Stevenson's playing refrigerator Perry. His okay. arm, his shoulder comes out of his socket, right? Stays uh-huh. in the game, snaps the ball, throws refrigerator Perry on his back with one arm. Comes out of the game, they pop it back in, and he goes back in the game. Oh, Wow. 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 I had to tackle the toughest guy I ever seen in my life. He came to the game on crutches, but set the old orange bowl, right? He came to the okay, game on right. didn't practice all week. Came to the game on pr- crutches. They'd shoot him up, right? About seven, seven, eight shots. He'd play the game <laughs> and then leave the game on crutches. And then wouldn't practice oh, all week. Wow. I mean, this guy was the toughest guy I've ever seen in my life. I mean, we had guys, you know, uh, Kuchenberg. Right, Langer. Just uh, Dawson wise, uh, sure. Just uh, you know, the, there was so many of them. Kim Bocamper is one of my best friends. I mean, these guys, mm-hmm. Bob Baumhauer, the nose tackle. He he should be in the Hall of Fame too. He used to practice every day against Dwight Stevenson. You should have seen that matchup oh. every day. Oh, you know, and then you, then you move on. Uh, Jaguars with Jimmy Smith, Tony Bozzelli, uh Mark Brunell, uh, Keenan mm-hmm. McCardle. 
uh, you know, we had some tough linebackers, uh, you know, Boyer, McManus. Uh, right. I mean, right. I have great players. And then the Browns, uh, Chris Spielman, his last game, he played with a broken neck for Christ. Oh, Chris. Holy cow. I remember, yeah, I remember Spielman and me graduated from high school the same year. I remember him being on the cover of Wheaties box. That was a leg- legend in Ohio. <laughs> Ohio legend. One tough son of a bitch right there. But, I mean, no, yeah, and, and uh, you know, you've had guys that would go out with a toenail injury, you know what I mean? Sure. But, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I had, I had fun with a bunch of them, you know, that uh, that that were just great guys and, and good players. I mean, everybody that gets to that level is a good player. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, you respect their, their, their abilities. But, you know, some guys were cool. Some guys were assholes, you know. I mean, you know. Yep. It's like any place else. <laughs> I've had I've had so many guys that were just that you know that I'm still friends with today just because they were they were just they were good to me you know they were fun to be around and mm-hmm. they appreciated what we did and uh, they might not have been a superstar but you know they're to me they are you know right sure mm-hmm. let's make it really hard then who do you think is the best player you've seen all time play Marino no doubt Marino okay all no right. doubt I, let me tell you something. These guys, these kids today, right? As good as right. they are, I mean, and nothing against any of them, because I, you know, I love football. I love what they do. They're they're good, but and, and somebody will tell me I'm full of shit. But Drew Brees don't hold a candle to Dan Marino the things he did. Well, I mean, and obviously when, when Marino played, the passing game wasn't what it is today. And for Dan to pass for all those yards that he did back in the day, I mean, it's he, you know, it's his records that are being broken now. I was talking to Coach Westoff yesterday, okay? Remember mm-hmm. Mike Westoff? Yeah, yeah. Greatest special teams coach ever. All right, so I told him this, and I was because I was telling somebody, all of the records that those guys did, Marino, Kelly, Elway, um, all those mm-hmm. guys, right? Mm-hmm. What happened back then, okay? You were at the mercy of the home team. The home team supplied the game balls. Yep. Okay? So yep. when you went to a place, like we went to Dallas, and Troy Aikman liked throwing those old beat-up balloon balls. <laughs> well, Marino had to come in and practice all week with the balls that he liked, right? And then we'd right. go to a game, and then on a Sunday they'd flip him a ball that Troy Aikman liked. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, right. so they had to throw a different ball every away game. Oh. Mm-hmm. People yeah, don't that's... realize that, how important that is. Now got the ball tailored. I want this. I want that. I, I like it this way. You know, but well, that shit didn't happen when these guys were throwing for all those yards and and putting it on a dime on a on a you know on a guy's chest, you know. Sure. Yeah, it was it was, it was a different world back then. You know, think of the yards and stuff he would have had if he threw a ball that he that he was tailored to him. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I never knew that. That's that's very interesting. Some of managers' meetings, I would, I would complain to the to the league. You know, like you know, listen, I said my guy's throwing this balloon over here. My guy's throwing this piece of shit. My guy's throwing this. My guy's throwing that. Why can't I bring my own like college? Why can't I have my own guy on the side of the league with our balls? <laughs> you know, because they're worried about who's tampering with the balls, who's blowing them up, who's doing this and that. You know? <laughs> oh, but uh, working with all those amazing players, there wasn't uh, any pranks that went on here and there <laughs> through the years, right, Bobby? One thing I can uh, I can pride myself on: there was no pranks ever. 
I sound like I sound like Obama. We, uh, no, yeah. uh, I, I'm sh- I'm sure there no were scandals. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, well, there was uh, there was thousands of them. I mean, just even just daily little stupid stuff. Like you know, back then we had payphones in the locker room. There was mm-hmm. two there was two payphones, and I could see the one right from my desk. So. You know, we'd put shaving cream on the earpiece and then ring the phone because <laughs> there, there was no cell phones. And so if that phone rang, it's probably some girl for one of the guys. You know, so everybody run to the phone. So uh, they'd pick the phone up and put it up their ear with shaving cream. And that went on all day. And then there was uh, uh, one time it was like it was drizzling and the players didn't want to practice. So every day, it, you know, it would rain every day in Miami at like uh, right. 2 o'clock, right in time for practice. Mm-hmm it was overcast and drizzling and back then they had the, the film, you know? So when a reel would be over, they'd have, they turn the lights on cause they'd have to change the reel of the film. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so the players, you know, a couple guys would get up, go to the bathroom. Coach Shula would open this door that was in that, in that room that they used and look out and check the weather. So one day I went behind the door and I had a hose and I was spraying it up <laughs> on the roof. So it was coming down like cats and dogs. When he opened the door, he, he opens the door and he goes like, whoa, it was coming down. And uh, he goes, well, I guess no practice today. And everybody got in their cars without even changing their clothes and, and took off before he realized what happened. <laughs> That's genius. It's too bad rain wouldn't stop practice today. Yeah, we try to get somebody else you know on this scene. He hasn't come through for us. Just, we, was try, we were trying to get Jimmy Mack on, on this show. But he here's his, yeah. here's his he's, he's, he's homeschooling his daughter. Well, let's talk about who's teaching who there. Oh my God! Um, yeah, that that kid's either going to be permanently scarred or Jimmy Max finally learning something, one or the other. But yeah, uh, he got a better shot with the dog teaching him. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> See, Mac, that's the kind of verbal harassment you can expect on the issue window if you're not here to to defend yourself. Yeah, Mac was telling me the story about airsoft rifles and you guys having wars in the in the equipment room slash locker room one. When players were uh, out of there and chasing each other around with them and putting a few welts on people, you never know what goes on in those locker rooms. Well, you know what? You got to, you know, the players go go into meetings and you're passing the time waiting for laundry to slip, you know, so you got to keep active, you know. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we had, uh, yeah, my son, my son started that airsoft nonsense, you know. Okay. Do the old uh, peanut butter trick, you know, I put a little. Uh, peanut butter on the inside of my shoe and uh, put grass on there, you know, and then I'd sit down, a bunch of players would be sitting around, and I'd go sit down with them, and I'd be like, man, yeah, somebody stepped in dog shit or something, and everybody checked their shoes, and then I'd look at mine, and I'd be like, oh, man, and the guys would start yelling, oh, my God, you got it, and then I'd put my finger in it and put it in my mouth, and they'd all start gagging and stuff. <laughs> Just all kinds of goofy shit we used to do here. Oh. <laughs> Uh, how about the uh, how about the Saturday morning rookie donuts? What's that? You guys do that? You guys do that in college? Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh, you know, every Saturday morning, the uh, different uh, rookies had to bring donuts in for Saturday morning. So okay. I mean, you end up with like twenty dozen Krispy Kremes, you know. Uh huh. So I said, you know, the, you know the, the paraffin uh, wax in the training room. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I I take the glazed donuts and I put some into the I dip them in the wax and I wrote double double glazed on the box. <laughs> oh. 
that that's a good that's a good taste donut there. That's a special donut there. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, well, we have you know game days. We have we have everybody brings in stuff for game days on us, and we have those two tables in our equipment room just fuck just loaded with food. Uh, of course, yeah. Well, shit, I had uh, I had Joey the Mush. I had uh, my the... my uh, game day in Cleveland was stocked by the MBR. Yeah, oh. we we usually get we usually get uh, we we usually order a half tray of tortellinis and a half tray of meatballs. But we change. Yeah, we get the Mush always helps us out on games day. I mean, that's yeah. We always get something from the MBR. But Carmen used to come to the games, and it was like it was like he was doing a wedding. Oh yeah, unbelievable. Oh yeah. Uh, Carmen, Carmen would bring food. If he said he's going to take care of you, he took care of you. Yes, he did. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, do you have a do you have any food named after you? Well, you know that, Abby, don't you? Because you're <laughs> right there. Yes, you I probably, do. You probably you you order it probably once a week. Uh you know they're 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 finally get to, they finally get to open up uh, today. Actually, they get to open up today to seating inside. You know, last week they they permitted seating outside, so the patio got used last week. But is it still on the know, menu? It's, yeah, it's still on the menu. It's still on the menu. I have my own thing down there too. I got I got Albie's chicken. It's chicken and rice and vegetables and a wine sauce, and it's not oh, there too nice. often. Tell your listeners to go get a get an order of peppers, Monica, and then uh, Albie's chicken. Yeah, yep. I mean, it's, you don't have a drink named after you, though. I don't have a drink named after me. Okay, so if you go to Anthony's Coal Fired Pizza that has a full bar. You can get yourself a Monica. Oh. Okay. Then. What does that have in it, Bobby? It has, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of this. It's an Italian bitters. It's called Fernet Branca. Hmm. No, but that sounds fancy. Fernet Branca and Coke. Huh. <laughs> that sounds very interesting. interesting. Yeah. I'll we'll get that. We'll have to get down there and have some, have a pizza and a, and a, and a, and a Monica. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, you got to have a fire yeah. taste in a Fernet, though. Taste it first. It's kind of like Robitussin. <laughs> well, speaking of being famous, Bobby, I heard that you're a bit of a TV star. No, you know, I just saying your boy was on Miami Vice back in '85. I, I know. I just, I you know, I just seen Jimmy Mac post that on Facebook. The the uh, I just seen that. Yeah, Jimmy Mac's a big Miami Vice fan. He he lives for that show. Yeah, he lives for that show. That was his show back in the day when he was when he was young, when he was in high school. <laughs> Yeah, but it's on the it's on syndication now because I get checks. I still get checks like you know three dollars and twenty cents or a dollar forty or I think I showed Jimmy I got a check one time for fifty cents. It cost them more to mail it. <laughs> oh, but not everybody can say that they've been on a, a TV show. Yeah, I was in Miami Vice too. I mean, uh, in uh, in Ace Ventura. I haven't seen the one on the Ace Ventura. That's, that's well, I did a scene. I did a scene where Michael Keaton. And uh, and I had one line, and they cut it out, but they still had to pay me because of the Miami Vice because I had the SAG card, and <laughs> and I'm I'm in it like I'm 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 the size of an ant when he pulls up to the stadium, I'm in the background. So being in that, they still have to pay me that too. So I get you know two dollars for that sometimes. <laughs> I probably get like eighteen dollars a year, but it's been going on since forever, you know. It's one of those amazing stories that not many others can say they have. You really have a knack, Bobby, for seizing opportunities. <laughs> uh, for Miami Vice, did you did you have to audition or? Well, uh, we were playing at the Orange Bowl at that time, and they would bring in a guest 
producer uh, like every two weeks or once a week. And the one guy was John Nicolella who did Saturday Night Fever. And um, a friend of mine worked for him, a local guy for NFL Films. So he brought Nicolella on the sidelines and we were over there bullshitting. And my friend Toby goes, this is during the game. My friend Toby goes, hey, uh, he goes, hey, son, get Bobby on the show. He goes, yeah, come down, we still part. So I went down to the hotel. They gave me the script. I read for the bartender. He goes, hey, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> bartender, I had like eight lines. Okay, well, Albie really wanted me to ask you, since your brother Ted makes shoulder pads, who knows more about shoulder pads, you or Teddy? <laughs> I taught him everything he knows. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Make sure you tell them that. Oh, I will. Uh, you know what? Uh, they work hard at it, you know. Um, and, uh, I, you know, the best pad was, was when my two brothers were working together for Impact. You know, that, that's where they came up with a lot of the technology and uh, and the uh, things that were different from the current shoulder pads, you know, or the standard shoulder pads for so many years. But that X-Tech pad is just phenomenal. I mean, we, that's all we bought for... Uh, XFL. And he, you know, you know what um, is what amazes me. And I, I get the loyalty part, okay. And and there's also the uh, financial part, okay. But when a guy, you know, if a guy is saying, if your job is to protect your players, right? That's your job. Your job is to get the best stuff to protect your players, okay. Mm-hmm. But if you're all Douglas because you have a relationship with Douglas and you, the the air management pad has not changed in 50 years, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So so, uh, how do you justify that you're doing the best job for your players if you're not even looking at some of those uh, these other pads and and the technology they have and the it's just like the helmets except nobody pays any attention to it. Yeah, and I, you know, I get the loyalty part of it, but how can you be all one pad and 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 be a, a antiquated? Uh, and when I started the, the air management systems, when they first came out, you know, remember the Donzi? I haven't seen one of those in forever. All right. Well, there was a they, the first air management pad that came out was the Donzi pad, right? It was black plastic, and it was orange uh, vinyl or orange nylon over over. It was car seat foam. And the reason it was orange nylon was because the guy used to get, that's the only place you could get the nylon for, from life preservers. Oh my gosh. Wow. And they were, they were an inch thick. So now the pads, now the foam pads were all like an inch thick, three quarter inch thick. Now what happens with all the players? I want it smaller. I want it thinner. I want it lighter. Right? So now they got quarter inch foam in an air management pad. Mm-hmm. And that you can't put air management, you can't put foam, open cell foam up against the uh, XRD foam that's scientifically military grade that, uh, you know, test wise, data wise, if you're going by data at all, the absorption of, of the blow and the shock, it's just. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's amazing. I mean, people really should pay more attention to shoulder pads like they do helmets. They really doesn't get enough. No doubt. Yeah, I mean, I you know I understand this financial stuff on it, you know, I mean, uh, I get all of that, but I'm just saying, you know, how can you bury that other pad or 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 if somebody comes in with one? Well, we don't wear that here. Are you shitting me? Yeah. We don't wear that yeah. here. Yeah and, yeah, and 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 here's the other thing: as much as we know, okay, as much as we study that, and that's our job is to 
is to, you know, know about the equipment and protection of it, okay? If, unless you're looking at data, okay, which is available now. Back in the day, it wasn't, you know? I mean, you, you look at pictures right. back in the day, guys had like a mattress on their shoulders, you know? <laughs> yeah. So now everything's, everything's scaled down. So you can't tell me that that quarter-inch open-cell foam is more protective than XRD foam or something that's in a, you know, that, that, that's data-proven to absorb uh, blows better. You know what I'm saying? I remember the first impact pad I bought. It was for uh, Brandon Jacobs. I called Teddy up. Brandon was having problems. And I told Teddy, you know, I got a running back. He's 6'4", 265. And Teddy goes, Jesus, what, what, are, you, what are you putting the water down there? And I said, I, you know... It's it's four running running back head and he says, You mean a fullback? I said, Nope, nope, he's our running back. And so that was the uh Teddy built it, came in, Brandon liked it. I believe he wore it at the Giants when he first started there. But that was my first impact pad to buy. Well that that was my point. That was I I was trying to get to is that is that when, when we even when they first started, I I could call Teddy up and say, Hey, listen, um this is what I got. You know, I'm having a problem with this. The guy needs this. And boom, he'd send a pad and it would be perfect. You know what I'm saying? You could you could call him up on the phone and tell him what you were thinking and you would get that pad. And to this day, yep. that's what happens, you know? Yep. He's my man. <laughs> but I did teach him everything, though. <laughs> Make sure you tell we him. We don't doubt Bobby. <laughs> well... With that, I think we're going to close out this episode of the issue window. But we definitely want to thank Bobby for coming. It's been it's been really amazing, Bobby. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate what you're doing for the uh, for the business. Well, we appreciate everything you that you have done for the business. <laughs> yep. Thank yes, you. we thank do. You. Make sure you go down. Give Joey a kiss for me when you go down the MVR. I'll give a big sloppy kiss for you. Yeah, <laughs> love that guy, man. I love those people. They're awesome. Well, you guys are awesome, too. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Issue Window. If you'd like to be on, we'd love to have you. You can reach us on the Issue Window website, which is issuewindow.com, or you can reach out to us on the Equip Check Twitter handle, and we'll catch you back here next time. Until then, stay safe, stay sane. Bye. See you guys next time. Oh,